Police Department. I would like to report a crime. The comedian Lauren Lodudice hacked into my brain and wrote a book called Inside Melania. What I know about Melania Trump by impersonating her. What does she know about me besides for stepping into my skin for the last three years and her impersonation? You can find the book that me and Donald do not want you to read at www.insidemelania.com. The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is episode 123 of Reconcile the Isle. What on earth is going on? Rocket Man. Puerto Rico. Russia, 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 Russia. Eight accusers. Several allegations. Thousands of cases. Charlottesville. Horrific shooting. Deadly school shooting. The third deadly mass shooting in a week. Category four. California wildfires. Entire ecosystems are collapsing. Government shutdown. I've never seen this country divided like this. This is astounding to me. Reconcile the Isle. Welcome to Reconcile the Isle on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. On this show, my characters and I are trying to figure out how we can have meaningful dialogue about difficult topics. My name is Lauren Lojudice. Today, we're going to go speak with special guest Janine Cook of Harriet's Bookshop. But first, let's go to our Stupid Stupid People People segment. For those of you who are new here, it's the part of the podcast where we salute stupidity because what unites us across all boundaries, what unites the world is that we hate stupidity. My dad rants about the stupidest person he's seen that week, and we rate their assholeness in rectums. So here's our segment, Stupid People, with my dad, Charles LeJudice Jr. Dad, who is this week's stupid person? Well, the thing that's, you know, breaking my balls a lot this week and has been for many years is when you call up one of these big companies, whether it's Brooklyn Union Gas, Con Ed, any company, insurance company, a company that you're getting your medicine from or a medical supplies from, everybody with these fucking robotic answering things. They say, oh, you can, uh, you know, type in your date of birth and they tell you, you know, two digits for the month, two digits for the day, four digits for the year, and then they give you an example and stuff. Or you can just speak it out loud. When you speak it, Every fucking one of them, 92% of the time, I didn't get that. I, I didn't get what you said. Worse. Uh, is this correct? No, it's not correct. You know, from the beginning, you got to start yelling, representative, representative, representative. Here's the main menu. Representative, representative. Number one, you know, if your refrigerator's not working, stick your finger up your ass. Number two, if your toast is not working, put a, a screwdriver up your nostril. That's how helpful they are, you know? And if you should find the prompt that you need because they can't give you a representative, then you're on hold forever. Or, they, or if they give you the representative, the next available representative will be with you shortly. And they're playing some music. And then every 30 seconds, your, your phone call is important to us. So after you know, 130 seconds, all right, which is 50 hours, my phone call ain't that fucking important to you. The only thing's important is that I fucking pay my bill on time so you can fucking get the money, be a monopoly and a bunch of fucking jerk-offs. 
People don't give a fuck about the consumer anymore. If, if I owned one of these companies, I would, instead of making $14 million profit at the end of the quarter, I would only make $13 million. I think all my stockholders could live on that, and I would hire real operators, and the other companies that wouldn't do it, I, I bet you they would all switch to me and put them out of business. Yeah. People want to talk to a real person. Yeah. I mean, even though, you know, 95% of the people in this country are knuckleheads, it's still better you get a reference number or something like yeah. that. You know so, what I mean? So what do we give? What do we give? How many rectums is this? Oh, that's that's a that's a, a six because that's way beyond. They're, they're so aggravating and infuriating to everybody. You know how many times you're waiting online a half an hour and they don't pick up the phone? You got to stop and go do something. A half an hour, if I got a half hour before I have to go do something, that should be plenty of time to fix a little problem over the yeah. phone. All so right? six out of five, this is, this, is, this is six out of five rectums for this. Yeah, I mean, a half hour is plenty of time to take care of something like that. Now you go out, do your, what you have to do. You had a doctor's appointment, you had to go to the store or something, and now you got to start from scratch again. Wow, people are so stupid. Well, this episode is brought to you by TheMelaniaShow.com. Get your Vote 2020 button and become part of the Orange Resistance. Help get the orange stains out of the White House with a Vote 2020 button available at TheMelaniaShow.com. Now let's go to our interview with special guest Janine Cook of Harriet's Bookshop. For the past 10 years, Janine Cook has worked as a trusted writer for several startups, corporations, nonprofits, and influencers. In addition to holding a master's degree from the University of the Arts, Janine is also a Leeway Art and Transformation grantee and a winner of the South Philly Review Difference Maker Award. Janine's work has been recognized by several news outlets, including Vogue Magazine, Inc., MSNBC, The Strategist, and The Washington Post. She recently returned from Nairobi, Kenya, facilitating social justice creative writing with youth from 15 countries around the world. She writes about the complex intersections of motherhood, activism, and community. Her pieces are featured in several publications, including the Philadelphia Inquirer, Rue Quarterly, Printworks, and Midnight in Indigo. She is the proud new shopkeeper of Harriet's Bookshop in the Fishtown section of Philadelphia. If you're wondering if it's possible to get people to read anymore, you'll want to hear this episode. And you can always sign up at laurenlogie.com slash podcast to get reminders when we publish this every other week. My co-host, Melania Trump, uh, we're going to talk about reading. Does that make you nervous? It is dangerous. Donald doesn't allow books in the house. Uh, Melania, your house is now the White House. Wait, what did he do to the Lincoln Library? The White House staff knew he would burn the books, so they hid them in a place they know he would never look. Box labeled wedding photos. Oh boy, okay, let's go to the interview with Janine Cook of Harriet's Bookshop. Thank you, Janine A. Cook, for coming to Reconcile the Isle. Well, thank you for the invite. Okay. <laughs> so you operate Harriet's Bookshop. Tell us what that is, what kind of store it is. Harriet's Bookshop is in the Fishtown section of Philadelphia, and it's named for Harriet Tubman, who I believe to be a historic heroine and so many more things. We'll talk more about her probably throughout this time that we're together. And our mission is to celebrate women authors, women artists, and women activists. And we do that in a number of ways, which I'm sure we'll get into a little bit on the call too. Very cool. And how long have you been around? So we opened on February 1st officially. 
and we were shut down on March like 10th. So we were open about six weeks. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. So, so we won, we won a best of Philadelphia award. And I was just like, yeah, we were the shortest business <laughs> you know, to ever win anything. Cause it's like, we were only open for six weeks. Um, officially. Yes. <laughs> but things have been going, um, you've gotten some really cool shout outs in that very short time. We have, we have. I, and I, I attribute all of it to Harriet. I said, you know, I'm always joking, like, Harriet is just, she's just not playing around these days, right? And so whether that's because, you know, she had a movie come out that I didn't know was happening. Um, you know, there was a play in Philadelphia that happened about Harriet Tubman at the same exact time that we opened. And then a museum that came to Cape May, which is just a hop, skip, and a jump from here. And so all at once, yeah, so she's she's making herself known in a lot of ways and making sure that I think we remember what she stood for and, you know, utilize that in this moment. Yeah. And then I think you got a Oprah book. <laughs> You're so hungry. <laughs> Oprah, Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did. We did. I mean, it's just like, you know how it's like surreal in some ways. So it's just like, Wow, yeah, that just happened. <laughs> There's so many things happen that are so surreal to me that I'm like, yeah, okay. I'm just kind of rolling with it. And so, yes, we did get a shout-out from Oprah's Book Club. You know, we got shared by Usher and the Black Lives Matter donated $5,000 to Harry's Bookshop. You know, like, it was, I mean, I could go on and on about, like, strange, beautiful, amazing things that have happened in the last six months. We've only been here for six months now. And only wow. were open officially for six weeks. <laughs> wow. Which I think it's like you are also, it's like you're getting what you're putting out because you put out, you're there, you're doing so much good in the world. And then you're yes. getting it, which is such a beautiful thing. Well, I think we're doing what, like, the mission is the mission is the mission. And that's the thing that I've told myself from the very beginning is that, you know, as long as I stay on mission, everything else will fall into place. As long as we continue to celebrate women authors, women artists, women activists, whatever that may look like, whether that looks like a sidewalk sale or, you know, Zoom events or, you know, IG lives or book giveaways, whatever that looks, as long as we stay up to that mission, everything else is going to be fine. And how do you feel like as it's grown, like have you felt Harriet's story has kind of really infused itself into what you all are doing? Oh, 100%. I think that I, in a lot of ways, her work and her life is a guiding light. And there are a lot of things that we haven't gotten up to yet that we still are called to do, um, especially around freedom, especially around thinking about well, who are our modern day enslaved people who, are, who may be in need of support with freedom, you know, like our incarcerated brothers and sisters and folks. Uh, you know, so there are a lot of, there's still a lot of work to be done. We are, like I said, only six months old, but the mission is strong and the work that she did and the work that she continues to do in the world, I think, is what needs to be done, right? She, she did what some would call impossible and improbable in a time where it was far more difficult to get things done. You know, you're talking about the 1800s, you're talking about a black woman, uh, you're talking about a person who, was, who had a bounty on their head, who people were hunting for. Um, and people were willing to, that, that people were able to get a big paycheck to turn her in. And I don't have any of those things on my back that I am up against. So I'm just like, okay, then you should be able to move very quickly and get way, way more work done. What I love too, that you all give out books. 
We do. We do. Right after George Floyd's murder, uh, and then very soon after that, Breonna Taylor's murder came to our attention. I have, I, it's myself, and then I have some high school interns that work here with me. And they, they are amazing. We would not be here had it not been for them. Right? And they're 16, 17-year-olds, and they are kicking, you know, butt in terms of, like, getting work done uh, and pushing me. You know, I'm like, oh, I'm tired. They're like, you know, you can't be tired. <laughs> you can't be tired. Let's go. Um, and so they were going to a protest here in Philadelphia and wanted to take signs. And this was their first protest. And I was supporting them in going and want, wanted them to have the experience, but also wanted them to think critically about what does it mean to be an activist? What does it mean to be an organizer? What does it mean to be in protest? What do you want, right? What are you standing for? What are you standing against? And they wanted to take signs that said, I can't breathe, which has been part of the um, you know, calling card for recent movements. And I was just not having it. <laughs> I was just not having it. I said, you, I do not think that that is the stand or message that you want to put out into the world. You don't want to tell the world you can't breathe. That's just not true. You can breathe. You're thriving. You're alive. You are well. You know, there are so many things we can say and do. The young people, um, I had ordered a bunch of uh, autobiography of Malcolm X and a bunch of the biography of Harriet Tubman and felt like it was a way more impactful statement for us to give those books away for free and to make those our protests and to stand up in the street with those books. And like they make just as impactful, you know, it's just as, just as impactful as having a sign is holding up a book, um, maybe more impactful in some ways. Right. And so that was the work that I charged them with. They looked at me like I was crazy. They thought I was like, you know, they're like, everybody else has signs. Why can't we have signs? And I said, to me, just to me, um, what movement work needs is creativity, right? Like if you're up against something and it knows exactly what you're going to do and how you're going to do it, then you're not really throwing that thing off of its hinges. You can't subvert racism by doing what it already knows you're going to do. Subversion requires something different. And so... They heard me, they listened, we went out, we gave out books. It was pretty amazing. So many people came and read, you know, you know, I, I don't know, were magnetically connected with us and came and got books. We continued to do it day after day. We continue to do it to this day. I have a letter here from some folks that, you know, are incarcerated and they're asking me, can we send them free books? Um, and we're like, yes, like, let's figure out how we do this. And so, yeah, we give out free books. Yeah. What's the response that or do you hear back about the, the effect of giving people books after the days of the protest? So there was a woman I'll give as an example who came here. She came here with her four children. She supported us many times before and came here and got that book and said that she has been using it as a way to think about how to do education for her children moving forward who are homeschool children and who she could see using an organizing skills guide as a guide for how to do education moving forward, at least with her children. So just as an example, right, like her taking it home, milling it over in her own family and thinking about how to apply that information within herself. Other things that we've seen is other organizers, other activists, other people who uh, who literary folks who have said, you know, send me a stack of books. I'll attend the protest in my local neighborhood or in my community, and I'll give out books as well. So that's happened in Charlotte. That's happened uh, in Florida, like down in Tampa. A mm-hmm. guy just sits, asked for books. So, you know, we went down, we went out to Louisville to do this. We went out to Minneapolis to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, after seeing what happened last night, I'm thinking about whether I need to go out to Wisconsin to do this. And so that's, that is the work. The work continues and it, it needs to continue beyond us. It needs to continue um, with folks who authentically feel connected to it. That's awesome. I was a teacher for a brief time after I graduated from college and um, a teacher in Oakland. And, you know, people would say like, oh, they're just, the kids aren't, aren't interested in, I was teaching chemistry and it was like, you're not interested in that. I'm like, no, you just have to make it interesting to people. Like, it's not that like, you're the English teacher, like in the age of memes, you can say like, oh, no one, people say no one's reading, no one reads. It's like, that's not true. If you make oh my them, goodness. Yeah. 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 And I mean, there's a lot of like social lies, you know, and I think that those social lies get to be confronted with world, with truths. Like the truth is a lot of people told us that a bookstore was a silly idea. A lot of people told us that a bookstore that celebrated women authors, women artists, women activists was too specific. A lot of people told us that, you know, I'm too young. I'm too, you know, green. I don't really know what I'm doing. Like there's an amalgamation of social lies that people tell and that we kind of either get to agree with or say no to. Yeah, absolutely. And how, what was the process like getting the store off the ground? from the first idea? Like, how did you have the first idea? And then how did it kind of birth itself? So I thought that I was going to do this like way late in my life. Like, you know, I was going to retire someday and this would be my thing that I retired into. And I tell folks like, you know, what started as a whisper turned into a roar real fast. And so that was a whispered idea that was in the back of my head. And then, you know, I had some stuff happen in my life. I went down to Virginia for probably a week and while I was down there, I was sitting in a room and it was like loud. It was like, no, you're doing this. You're doing this now. And I was just like, what? And I came downstairs and I, I called my friend and I was just like, I, I think I'm going to open a bookstore. And she was just like, oh, interesting. So when, you know, and I was like, maybe years from now, I don't know. You know, still not, not absolutely clear. And then other things just started falling into place. I contacted folks to see if I could just look at spaces. Right. And that's the one thing that I encourage folks to do is like, when something starts to like uh, an idea or a, a call or something starts to hit you in your, in your gut is to just like make small steps towards it. See what happens, right? Like open one small door and see like, well, well, what would happen if I did this? And I'm talking about like the things that I thought were going to be very difficult were actually far more easier because I think I was just supposed to be doing what I was supposed to be doing. I was like, how am I going to get shelves? People started giving me shelves, you know? How am I going to, you know, it's like, so it was all of these things that I didn't understand how I was going to do. And then they just started falling into place in all of these ways. I spent day in and day out in this space, visualizing and seeing it. When we first opened, I put every piece of furniture together myself, right? Like I was like really in it. It's not as though I thought that what people were saying was untrue. I thought maybe this is a silly idea and people won't respond well to it. So I went and I got two consulting gigs so that I could have something to fall back on. And I thought I'd be in here. At least I could still work remotely from the bookshop. Mm -hmm. This was pre-COVID. So I thought, okay, this, this is a plan. And ended up that the bookshop was super busy and I couldn't really, you know, even like, I'm like trying to do consulting gigs and run this business and it's crazy. <laughs> but yeah, it just didn't go how, how I thought. I thought this was going to be something that maybe would take a long time to catch on and that people wouldn't understand. And eventually a few people would, but before we even opened officially, we'd sold out twice, right? Just during our soft launch, 
we were just selling out books. And so I was like, okay, this is something that people are responding to. We're in a neighborhood where people said this is the worst neighborhood possible to be in. When I moved to Philly, people told me I could go. You can go anywhere all over North Philly, all over West Philly. Do not go to Fishtown. And I was like, what are, what are the chances that people would tell you, do not go? And here, here I go. I'm like, oh, I'm heading out there, you know, because it has a really bad racial history. You know, I've had customers who've come in here and told me about times where they were chased out of this neighborhood with bats. I had a customer just a few days ago who told me that, you know, he was just walking on the street. He was locked up in the jail here. And officers took him joyriding in the back of a van. You know, so this neighborhood has issues. And it's not that it just has a, a, a sordid racial history. It also has a racial presence present that it hasn't dealt with or that it maybe is dealing with, but slowly. So all of those are things that are at play while we are doing what we're doing. Yeah, that's great. And it's also right now it's being gentrified to a large extent. Yeah. yeah. And then some people have said that I'm a gentrifier, right? They've said, <laughs> <laughs> they've said you know, this was, a, this was a predominantly white, Polish, Irish neighborhood. And, you know, here you come. <laughs> and that's a community bookstore working with people in the community doing things for the community that's very it's interesting they need to read some more books i think <laughs> <laughs> they could get even a free book they could come grab it <laughs> but you know i mean everybody people are entitled to their opinions and their perspectives and they don't it doesn't move me you know it doesn't stop me it doesn't stop the mission yep and where do you see harriet's bookshop growing in the future our plan is to reopen next month if all things go well and the world is not as crazy as it's been. With the grant that we got, we expanded and redid our basement so that we can have a two-story bookstore and really be able to um, socially distance in this space because before it was, you know, it was only 500 square feet. It was very tiny. And so now we've doubled that. And then longer term, there's been another like whisper that has started where I've been thinking about, well, what would it look like to open a bookstore in Mississippi? And I'm just like, Janine, like, I don't know much about Mississippi. You know, I've been thinking a lot about Ida B. Wells, who's from Mississippi. And I've been thinking a lot about Fannie Lou Hamer, who's from Mississippi, and thinking about honoring them in a similar way. Mississippi has the lowest literacy rate in our country. And so in some ways, I'm like, well, how would I go to the place with the lowest literacy rate in the country? to sell books. And then in the other way, it's like, why wouldn't you go to the place with the lowest literacy rate mm -hmm. in the country to sell books, right? And so I'm still working trying to get this thing solid, but I do hear more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So just expanding all over the country, essentially. I mean, you know, there are a lot of folks, there are a lot of women who've done amazing work in the history of this country and have gone unrecognized I think, you know, I tell people all the time we can build our own monuments. We do not need to wait for anyone to say this is worth celebrating. We can do that work on our own. And so I think that opening an Ida's or Fanny's down in Mississippi is just another way to continue the legacy of women who have gone, um, who deserve, I believe, to be recognized yeah. and celebrated. You wrote a book about Harriet. I did. I yeah, did. I mean, your connection to Harriet, it's like not just a story. It's like real. It's real. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it's really serious. It's, and it started when I was young. It started, I was probably eight or nine when I started this, like, these conversations with Harriet. And I think 
it's interesting. One time my sisters and I did an event and we talked about like celebrating our ancestors and the person that I celebrated was Harriet. And that's the piece that opens the book. And that's the, mm-hmm. that's the name of the book. But this was like probably 12 years ago. Right. Mm-hmm. And so to see some of these things coming full circle and then that same piece, one of my friends who's a dancer reinterpreted the piece as a dance. It's just wow. like the conversation continues. Wow. There are so many great pieces. I really enjoyed the, um, or was touched by the, the Sandra Bland piece mm-hmm. at the end, U.S. versus the state. And I thought how, if this was published before everything that's happened this year, I assume finished. And that was, I mean, so it, it just makes it so, uh, I mean, it's always relevant. This has always been yes. going on, but I mean, it's like, it's like right what's going on right now. It's yeah. Right, exactly. What's really powerful to me about that piece is that it's transcript. And so you get to be with Sandra in her moment and you get to hear her her words herself. I think a lot of times when we get media, we get a filtered version or we get an edited version, which this is still edited, right? Because it's not the full transcript, but because you can hear her say what she was trying to say and you can hear the officer say what he was saying you know like you can you can assess things in, t- in such a different way and that's why it was really important to me to use the transcript for that piece and, and you heard it yeah she was so logical and made perfect sense and so strong in the face of yes. that she was like you're wrong you're right. wrong basically like right. over and over again right I feel like the New York Times, you're out there, you need to publish this piece. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the the funny thing is the version that's in my book is missing the last sentence, which the last sentence is supposed to say, and then the police walk in. And so if you imagine what you've read already in Mm. that last sentence being there. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And so it's a whole other story if that line makes it into the book, which it didn't. Ironically. Well, well, it can in the New York Times piece. <laughs> ah, yes, yes. New York Times, I'm down. Do whatever you need. I'm, I'm, I'm really with it. I'm totally with it. Yeah. We, yeah. Do it to, we should do it to recognize Sandra Bland in this moment. And then, you know, to think about Breonna Taylor and to think about the fact that, you know, we're now over 150 days where somebody's sister, somebody's daughter, somebody's friend is dead for absolutely no reason and nothing has been done about it yeah this is the country we live in and this is 2020 and this is this is not 1960 this is not 1800 right this is the stuff that harriet was talking about back then mm-hmm. so. yeah it's it's really it's so um powerful and i want to shove it in the faces of everyone who <laughs> says like me 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 bad apple me 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 like yeah. no no like no this is it yeah like i was saying to you about fishtown i think a lot of times when we don't when we don't deal with the root issue and we don't really go and be get clear that you know maybe folks don't know this that police officers originated in this country from overseers right from folks who were responsible for going to catch enslaved people who had escaped and so that that being the root of the work There's no way to continue that work in that way, especially in a time where if a community is telling you, we don't need this right here this way anymore. And that community is willing to do the work to come up with uh, an alternative. Then that community decides that we the people thing is a real thing, you know, and that does require work on our parts as we the people, right? Like 
if you say, I don't want that support in that way because it comes with some of these other things, then okay, that means we need to get to protecting and serving one another. And we can't, you know, call the cops on each other because there's trash over the line. You know, that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I was curious, a lot of stuff was going on in that area during the protests, including people like patrolling white kids with bats, patrolling the streets, like that shit was going on too. Like how is the work that Harriet was doing, did you get to like be involved with that in any way other than the books or received any, did they give any sort of negative reaction to Harriet's during that time? I will tell you that the day that they were doing this is this how it works you know and i was like this is so hard she's all she's written all over this <laughs> the day that i the day that they were doing that marching on this block in front of my store i had flown to minneapolis for the day just for that day so that i can go do books in minneapolis right wow. so, on behalf of george floyd so i was over there looking on twitter like oh my gosh is this gonna, what's gonna happen what's gonna happen people in the neighborhood and people from outside of the neighborhood, came and sat, stood, rode right in front of Harriet's and did not allow a single thing. We never boarded our windows. We never did anything. We just were. And we just stood. And people, I didn't ask a single person to do that. People came and just did it. People were texting me. I'm, I'm parked across the street just watching the store for now. Like that type of love and community exists. and. You know, I said about the social lies, the social lies would have us think that that doesn't exist and that people don't care about one another in that deep way. I'm not paying anybody to do that. I didn't ask anyone to do that. That was an unction that people took upon themselves. When I got back, I slept here for two nights because the things were still going on in Philadelphia and I didn't know. And I, I, could, I could see how someone could want to target this place, right? Considering where we are and what we stand for and you know, I'm vocal about the things that I am vocal about, mm-hmm. uh, but we've been fine. You know, one of my friends wrote me and said, you know, Janine, if it gets hot, you need to take a walk. Like, you're not a martyr. And I was like, you know, this is an interesting conversation that we're in the times that we're in. And, that, and that's a conversation that we're still having. Right. Like do yeah. what, to, what to do if they come to confront me at this at this bookstore. Wow. And not only that, like they were right in front of, it's also like right near the highway. So that's like a prime spot for people to do something because they could get out of here quick and try to get away with it. I mean, that's, that's, it's, it's I mean, these are, these are realities, right? There are realities of other, and even historically other people who have said and done certain things have had responses that in some ways have ended in death. You know, Harriet lived to be 90. And so I say, okay, well, hopefully I (laughs) follow her footsteps there. (laughs) And, you know, she she ducked and dived and ducked and dived a lot. Unbelievably so, you know. There's a letter where she's asking Frederick Douglass to... She didn't write the letter someone wrote on her behalf. Harriet never learned to read or write. Um, mm. Which is, you know, again, bookstore, right? Like, we're, 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 mm-hmm. um, we're going to fix some things. But anyway, so Frederick Douglass is writing this letter and saying to her, I can't believe that you're at you of all people are asking me for a letter when I should be, you know, sitting at your feet. He was like, you do the work by night that um, so that, you know, I get praised to do the work that I do by day. He was an amazing orator. You know, he was paid a buku money to, to speak all across the country. But Harriet wasn't. And everything she did, she did really quietly and covertly. 
and on the behalf of many people as well, but just not, you know, publicly in that same way. And I'm like, that's a powerful sentiment. It reminds me of women, you know, so many women mm -hmm. who take on the tasks that, and, and no one ever knows that they've done it, the thing, the simple things that they've done to make things continue and move. And my hope is that, you know, people resonate with the, the overall message that we're standing for and, and not get caught up in, in the places where we might not agree. But maybe they, I don't know what they'll do. You know, my friend said, the closer we get to the election, you might be more of a target. And I said, okay, you know, I, I recognize that that's a reality of the times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I was talking to my brother about this because of all, I'll do a lot of comedy in character as Melania Trump and hit satire hard. Like I hit him hard. Right. And, and you know, my, I was like, you know, I will get death threats because that's how this works. Like, these are the things that you say certain things and certain people, whether they're robots or trolls, I don't know if they're real people, but like, they yeah. will say terrible things. Yeah. In some ways when I get like, I haven't, it hasn't gone that far, thankfully, but the, you know, when people say terrible things, I know that I'm making a difference. When people are really pissed, I know yeah. something is resonating because it's just, it's pissing people off. It's getting yeah. them a little bit afraid. They're thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I don't feel like people are like, well, how do you feel? I'm like, I don't feel afraid. I feel like I'm doing the work that I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, whatever comes with that, I'm down for that too. Yeah. I feel you on that. Like you just have to do it. Like there's nothing else I can do. Like this yeah, is all. So I, I, I can't, I couldn't imagine doing any other work at this moment in time. It's just so important, you know, yeah. so important. And like I was telling, you know, I tell people, it's not like, you know, had we waited one more month, had I procrastinated or said to myself, I'm just not ready or I don't know, I, you know, I need, mm -hmm. I need to, you know, raise some capital, whatever excuse that I could have given myself one more month, I would have, there would be no Harriet's because yeah. everything, you know, hit the fan. Yeah, absolutely. And, and for those who might be passing by or if they're outside of Philly, they can order books mm -hmm. online. Correct. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and you can also stop by because you have a sidewalk sale every day. Mm -hmm. Well, we do it from Thursday to Sunday from 12 to 6 PM. And folk, we take everything that we have in the bookstore. We create a book, an outside open air market bookstore using our furniture. I've broken so much furniture doing this. <laughs> and like, you know, yesterday, like a out of nowhere rainstorm hit us. And so you got to be able to pivot and, 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 and readjust. Um, but it's an adventure for sure. <laughs> it's an adventure for sure. I love it. Um, so at the end of this, I have a bunch of characters. Melania is one of them. For levity, I like to ask a question to one of my characters, if, that, if you're okay. down. Um, so Melania would like to ask you a question. Okay, I think very interesting, Janine. I think so interesting you do. You encourage reading. I hear about reading. I, I maybe explore sometime. Um, but one thing I, I'm curious, if my Donald, um, you know, I hopefully one day I hope for maybe one blessed hour to get the phone out of his hand. Um, <laughs> I think maybe distract him with my cleavage and then he gets <laughs> and then maybe put in a book read an hour's worth of one book what should they do? I would have him read the autobiography of Malcolm X because uh, and that's I'm always tied because it's also like what about Harriet 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 and I'm saying that too but it was only one hour I'd give him that autobiography of Malcolm X because I can't really think of a, a figure historically who went through as many transformations as Malcolm X took himself through. 
and who continue to evolve past their understandings. And hopefully that inspiration would say, we're all able to evolve past our misunderstandings and to address where we've gone wrong and off track and to, you know, just get to a new thought process. And hopefully that, hopefully that would resonate. Mm. We can try. You can try, Melania. You can try. That's the best we can do. I will. I will. I know that. I know all about evolution. <laughs> um, I, I learned that during facelift. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. Be best. <laughs> We have her. I have her petitioning to get out of the White House. Um, Not because she cares about anyone, just because she wants, uh, she basically uh, wants to go home to Trump Tower so she can do parties. (laughs) (laughs) Just for me, that's all. So how can we support Harriet's bookshop? You know, there's, there's a, a number of ways that folks can support us. You can, you know, say a little prayer <laughs> at night <laughs> because we're going through a lot. Um, you can, you know, shop harrietsbookshop.com. You can stop by. You can drop, you know, there was a time where I was like, people were like, what can we do? What can we do? I was like, we just need some water. You know, so people, every day we'd come in, there'd be all these bottles of water lined up outside, mm. you know? And mm-hmm. so, I mean, really, whatever, whatever your spirit moves you to do, we're down, you know, we're down for the support, whether it's a share on social media or just a like or even a thumbs mm. up. But honestly, whatever you're moved to do, we accept it. And what's your tag and website? It's at Harriet's underscore bookshop on Instagram. Over the course of one weekend, we went from 3,000 followers to 30,000 followers, which meant that, boom. <laughs> and so, you know, we're still figuring out what it means to do that. And uh, Harriet'sBookshop.com is our website and Harriet's Book on Twitter. Yep. So get there, everyone, if you want to be like Oprah and Usher, you know, just some people. <laughs> Don't hang out with the cool kids. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go over there. Well, thank you uh, very much for joining us. Of course. This was really beautiful. Thank you for the invite. I appreciate the time. I do. Of course. So, Melania, are you going to get Donald to read the autobiography of Malcolm X? On second thought, it's too much work. Showing the cleavage I reserve for when I need something. Why would I ever imagine you do anything for any other reason than to help yourself? Finally, you get me. For the rest of us, let's think about this. How Harriet's Bookshop is only open for six weeks before a pandemic and won Best of Philadelphia and got a shout out for Oprah's Book Club, as well as Usher. Follow your gut. It will lead you to great things. People do read if you give them material that they can connect to. And remember, holding up a book is just as impactful as holding up a sign. Harriet's Bookshop literally gives out free books to protesters and it makes a lot of difference. When you do something from a really grounded reason for the social good, people really, really respond. And look how people rallied around Harriet's bookshop and protected it from the riots. Let me know what you think. Before we go into the I Don't Care Do You segment, I'd like to do a few things. First, I want to encourage everyone to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It really, really helps other people find us. Second, I want to tell you that you can follow Reconcile the Isle on Twitter and Instagram at Lauren Logie. L-O-G-I. And do consider signing up at laurenlogie.com slash podcast to get reminders when we publish this every other week. 
also on my website, you can find out about some other exciting things going on. My book, Inside Melania, What I Learned About Melania Trump by Impersonating Her, is out now, including the audiobook, which is done in character and filled with all the voices of the people in my head. Thank you to our sponsor, TheMelaniaShow.com. For irreverent election merchandise, including a Vote 2020, Get the Orange Stains Out of the White House button, go to TheMelaniaShow.com. Get yours today. Listen, we have to learn how to have public dialogue again. The world's on fire and we've got to talk about it. And there is no better way to understand the importance of this than by reading the headlines. So Melania, give us the top headlines in the I Don't Care Do You segment. Here's all the things that I don't care do you about. 3.3 million acres have been burned in the U.S. due to wildfires. Ruth Bader Ginsburg died and Mitch McConnell is ignoring her dying wish and moving forward trying to get replacements. We are off to a record-breaking hurricane season. I might send you some paper towels, but I don't care. <laughs> do you? Thank you to everyone who has made this podcast possible. Thank you to Sophia Reyes-Jones for editing, to Devin Edwards for creating the intro, Christopher Catalano for the voiceover, Manny McLennan for making the podcast art, and a shout out to Alan Waters, Danny Holtz, and Craig Franson, who helped me to conceptualize this podcast. And of course, thank you to Janine Cook of Harriet's Bookshop for being such a wonderful guest. See you in two weeks.